0: Welcome to our Market Outlook webcast. I'm Suma Nair, Chief Fiduciary Officer at Fiduciary Trust. I hope you and your family are enjoying an excellent start to the new year. In today's event, Fiduciary Trust Chief Investment Officer, Hans Olsen, will present our latest views on the economy and financial markets. He'll be joined by our President and CEO, Austin Shepard, and they will discuss specific questions on the minds of some of our clients. Over to you, Austin, to begin today's discussion.
1: Thank you, Suma, and welcome to our 2024 first Market Outlook. 2023 was a dynamic year that actually played out much differently than what we thought back in January. And my assumption is that 2024 will similarly play out much differently. To help us navigate and understand it through the course of the year and here today, I'm joined by our Chief Investment Officer, Hans Olsen. Hans, welcome. Hi, Austin. As we've done in the past, I'm gonna turn it over to Hans to walk through a series of slides and perspectives, and then at the conclusion, we'll spend a little bit of time having a back and forth regarding some highlights. So over to you, Hans.
2: Thank you, Austin, and thank you for joining us. Happy New Year. I'd like to start this year with a Japanese proverb, and it states that the bamboo that bends is stronger than the oak that resists. And in many respects, that's exactly what happened in 2023 for both markets and the economy. The economy faced um, remarkable challenges last year. A durably inverted yield curve, wide expectations of recession, uh, credit creation that was struggling, two uh, wars in Europe uh, and the Middle East, uh, two land wars in the Old World, Uh, And uh, a banking crisis that brought down not only a 200-year-old Swiss bank, but several American banks as well, which then forced the American Federal Reserve to essentially backstop the entire banking system here in the the U.S. And yet against this backdrop, the U.S. uh, created two and a half million jobs through the first 11 months. The economy grew, and in some cases quite strongly, 5% in the third quarter less so in the fourth quarter, but grow it did. Uh, and when we look at measures of economic activity, not only does it suggest no slowdown, it, ex- it, it suggests continued growth. And while the economy seemed to be in rather fine federal, the markets actually performed exceptionally well, as well, indeed, most of it in the fourth quarter, and indeed, in the closing months of the fourth quarter. What was remarkable, though, over the course of the year that we saw no material or indeed actionable drawdown in the market, uh, a correction of, of any magnitude, really, to speak of. So when we think about what we're coming out of, uh, a decent market environment, a decent economic environment, we're coming into 2024, it begs the question, what do we face? And if faster is prologue, uh, 2024 should be a good year for both the market and the economy. And when we think about this, it's probably best to, to, to try to ponder the future along a, a probability distribution curve. It gives you the opportunity to think about many possible futures rather than one. And in creating this curve, um, let's call it a bell curve, if you will. it's It's one that we're all familiar with. We look at things that are widely expected and things that are less expected. And when we think about it in those terms, we think about that it breaks out into three separate areas. One, an environment of recession. Two, the widely expected and anticipated soft landing uh, that people think right now. And then the third is this uh, more exotic no landing. And Indeed, a no landing scenario would be one of continued growth no market ructions and, and off we go. Very much in, in fact what 2023 turned out to be. But this, this, this soft landing or Goldilocks scenario is the one that uh, is front and center. And we think this probably most probable somewhere between a Goldilocks scenario and indeed a no landing scenario. Why do we say that? Well, first is the reality that when we look at the economy as the folks at the National Bureau of Economic Research uh, do, Uh, we find that economic activity across the board looks to be fairly good, indeed suggesting no hint of of dangers to come. When we look at market expectations for interest rates this year, uh, broadly expected to um, see up to six interest rate cuts over the course of 2024 um, by some 200 basis points or two percentage points. Now, there's a difference there between what the market thinks and the Federal Reserve thinks But we'll get to that in a moment. And then finally, the expectations around uh, corporate earnings. They're expected to grow next year somewhere for the S&P on the order of about 11.5%. So another good year for earnings uh, for American companies. So when you put those things together, uh, you have the environment. Really, that would be widely expected to be a soft landing. But why no recession? Well, the data would suggest that um, as I've said. But there's another piece, and that the, the bit of, uh, that's equally important this year, this year is that we're in election year. And uh, recessions during election years are exceedingly rare. There have been 24 presidential elections since the 19, late 1920s. And of those president, uh, 24 elections, there's only been six recessions that coincided. Half of those were during a period of extraordinary circumstance. One was during the Great Recession, the other, the Great Depression, and then the great pandemic that we just came through. Those were the only three. So in short, a, a, a recession uh, during a pro-cyclical recession during a presidential year is an exceedingly rare thing. So if 2024 is going to be a year of economic growth. Then how should we think about markets? Well, first and foremost, U.S. stocks will probably be the best place to be in 2024. An economy that continues to grow, corporate profits that continue to come through, should all bode well for American stocks. I think there will be differentiation this year versus last year. Last year was the year of the Magnificent Seven, where a handful of stocks really dominated the market's performance. I think this year what we'll see is a more uh, uh, discriminating market, where the average stock, which has valuations that are rather undermanding, show better. And that's because if growth broadens out, uh, continues, and and indeed participation broadens out in 2024, we should start to see the average stock, mid-cap stocks, and perhaps even some of the smaller companies show very well this year. The other thing, uh, if we don't have a recession in 2024, um, in the fixed income markets, having durations right around the benchmark of five years or so makes a lot of sense. It reflects uh, both a good economic environment and perhaps if, if interest rates fail to fall in line with expectations, um, one is not taking too much interest rate risk in their portfolios. So to, to sort of soften any sort of price ruptures that might happen as a result. Carry um, the yield, which is a different world for, word for yield, in 2024 will be important to have It will also buffer any sort of volatility that we see in uh, asset prices in the fixed income complex. But again, should be a fairly good year for bonds, although perhaps a volatile year. We do think that we are at a point where um, the dollar is at its peak. Now, this is a call that we made last year. We reiterated this year. And if the dollar has made a peak, then international assets should also show well in the year and indeed years ahead. And perhaps most notably, notably, um, international equities, uh, particularly in Europe and perhaps even Japan, uh, will start to see follow through on the good returns that they put up last year. In Europe, the returns, um, uh, market valuations are particularly undemanding. Um, If uh, earnings look to be okay, dividends are high, And if we have the dollar at our back, a weaker currency at our back, then assets in those currencies, again, should be pretty good holds. Japan is an interesting story because uh, it seems to be, uh, that country seems to be coming to the very end of a a long program of yield curve control, which might cause repatriation of capital. There's also much better capital husbandry in Japan, uh, which has caused that market to be really the standout last year in dollar terms. Perhaps that will follow through again this year if we see uh, peak dollar as well. As a result of all of this, we are resetting risk in our portfolios. We are increasing our exposure to U.S. names uh, and international names as well and funding those exposures from reducing our overweight to cash that we established early last year ahead of what we thought would be uh, more of a break, not bend economy. So all told, uh, when we think about uh, 2024, it'll be a year in, somewhat, in some respects that resembles 2023, a recession that doesn't materialize, earnings that come through, um, investors are going to be uh, buffeted by some very difficult headline events, uh, both home and abroad, as we, as we go through the eventual silly season of an election. Uh, land wars in the old world and the like. But, uh, but at the end of it, we should see fairly decent returns. Here in the United States, we expect somewhere on the order of 7 to 10, uh, 6 to 10% returns to the US market. 7.5% is the average return in a presidential election year. That's a reasonable thing for us to expect. Uh, if we earned a coupon on our bonds, we'd be exceptionally happy with that. And as we look abroad, we'll be looking for, as I said, those weaker dollar um, values to help propel international equity values as well. It will be a year in which the returns that are enjoyed will feel hard won. With that, Austin,
1: over to you. Thank you, Hans, uh, for your uh, overview. We wanted to take a little bit of time and and spend a little bit more conversation around three topics and maybe a couple others. And one, coming through in your uh, presentation, is the aspect of interest in the developed uh, international market, so in Europe and outside the United States. Um, That's been a challenge space for some time. Um, And I'd love to hear your thoughts about why, as we go into this new year, Um, you might look differently uh, upon those markets.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a a good point. They have been markets that people have talked about that should perform well that really had lagged uh, U.S. markets for some time. Indeed, last year was kind of interesting because it stood out because they really didn't. I mean, they produced returns in dollar terms because of currency that were very similar to American market returns. Um, The reason that is, is I think that we've started to see peak dollar materialize. And, and this figures prominently into the catalyst why you would really want to lean into uh, international markets. So in the US, we were we led the way raising interest rates, mm-hmm. right, to, to to battle inflation. Other central banks followed. Now we we appear to be on the leading edge of cutting interest rates. Other central banks are lagging behind. It's that it's that Um, leading edge, lagging edge, and the interest rate differentials that result
1: in currency appreciations. Exactly.
2: That's right. And so, you know, currency is often driven by interest rate differentials. And if we start to see the interest rate differential develop here in the U.S., that essentially, you know, tees up peak dollar which is a tailwind for these international equities, aside from the fact that they're cheaper, market valuations, PE valuations, and the like, and higher dividends.
1: So, if I think about international investing in international stocks, I've always thought about it as three things. One is the underlying performance of the companies that you're investing in. Yeah. Two, the valuations, and three, the currency. You're translating it back into your own currency. And I think what I'm hearing you're saying is two out of those three look pretty good, the valuations and the currency. And, and, and how, the, how are the, your perspective on the businesses as a whole? Yeah. I mean, the
2: businesses as a whole, um, they've held up remarkably well. So if you forget sort of the, the headlines about Germany versus France or UK, the dysfunction in the politics, But you look at how those companies are doing um, and where they sell, well, then it makes sense why the earnings have held up rather well and and why they did in local currency terms so well last year, because those businesses tend to be global businesses, just as ours do.
1: Um, So they're
2: not as um, um, home market dependent as we might think they would be.
1: Interesting. Coming back to the U.S. and thinking about the companies that we invest in here, um, I think you've talked about this past, 2023 was the year of divergence between, let's call it the S&P 500, large cap stocks, and these seven stocks, the top seven are the largest by market cap, the quote, magnificent seven, which is uh, Apple, Google, is sort of the seven most largest. What's your perspective as we go into 2024? Because there's such a divergence between the the, the 493 and the 7. Yeah. How do you see this playing out?
2: Yeah, I, I think if, as expected, we get the soft landing, the 7 should do okay, right, in aggregate. If we have a uh, no-landing sc- scenario, which is a distinct possibility, they could actually get pushed around a bit, in not because of business fundamentals changing, but because of interest rates, right? Mm. If interest rates don't come down as much with these high valuation stocks, you know, the expectation about interest rates play an important role. And so if it's higher for longer, that's not expected right now. That could push those stocks around. And we've seen that as, as, uh, as a factor in the performance of those names. I do think, Austin, Next, this year, we're going to see differentiation inside those magnificent seven.
1: So all of them seem to do amazingly well this past year. You're saying maybe that some will, some won't.
2: This year, yeah, you know, you think about it in this way, you know, a company like Tesla, it's had an amazing run. But Tesla's going to experience competition, mm. right? I mean, already you're seeing the spool up between companies like Volkswagen, BMW, American car makers, um, the, the, the Chinese apparently now are the largest EV makers. Of the right. Planet. So they've got competition. Um, and if you have, you know, an interest rate again, maybe money to come by to fund operations gets a little tougher. So you need to be profitable and you need to be consistently so. Companies like Apple, great company, mm. without a doubt. But it, you know, it makes most of its money through the sale of phones. Well, you know, it's not, they're not exactly on the leading edge and they're kind of saturated. So what new product do they have that comes along that's going to help push the earnings growth? And and already we're seeing cracks in that story. So I, I think we'll see differentiation this year. AI will continue to be a big theme, of yep. course. And, and that'll favor a company like NVIDIA, right? Uh, I think the light motif that we will see throughout 2024 is that in aggregate, it'll be a decent year, but it'll be a turbulent year, right? It'll be a turbulent year because of policy, because of world events, because of expectations maybe not playing out the way people, I mean, events not playing to the expectations. Oh, I it
1: well, I guess that leads into my final question here, which really relates into expectations and turbulence. How does a presidential election and I'm not asking you to opine upon how that it turns out, but how does it influence the investment markets in the lead-up uh, to to the voting?
2: Well, as, you know, as I pointed out in, in my comments, um, recessions number one are very uh, rare in an election year, right? Right, exceedingly rare, sort of outside of a, some sort of um, unusual event. Um, very rare indeed. Um, so that's number one. Number two, indeed. If you look back historically, the fourth year of a presidential term is the, the the second best year. I think it was about seven and a half percent average return mm-hmm. for that year. Um, why is that? Well. When you think about it, I mean, if you have the self-interest, self-interest, yeah, it's all self-interest, right? You have the levers of uh, if you can anything you can do on the fiscal side to cut a deal. Um, you have a central bank that you know the winner appoints the head of the central bank, mm. right? We like to think that the American Fed is without political influence, but that's that's a nice, that's a nice idea. The mm. reality is somewhat different. Right. Um, so so all the levers of power that you have at your disposal, you're going to tend to use them in order to perpetuate um, your survival politically. And so, you know, I, I think the the deck is most definitely stacked in the odds for growth,
1: especially in an election year. Fascinating. Thank you, Hans. And thank you for joining us. We look forward to you joining us in three months, as we do every quarter, to evaluate what's transpired and also to offer our best thoughts about navigating the future. Back to you, Suma.
0: I'd also like to express appreciation to our audience for joining us. We hope that you found the discussion useful. We are experiencing uncertainty in the economy and markets. Remember that at Fiduciary Trust we have extensive wealth planning, investment, trust, tax, and other expertise to help you navigate through it and achieve your goals. I encourage you to access some of our knowledge through insights on our website at fidtrustco.com, as well as by reaching out to your fiduciary trust officer or to Sid Queller at 617-292-6799 or Queller at fiduciary-trust.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we wish you and your family health and well-being.
2: The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. They discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice, and you should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with your investment, legal, or tax advisor. Copyright, Fiduciary
1: Trust Company.